This is Man Afraid of Everything. I'm 34 years old, and I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of screwing up, I'm afraid of making the wrong decision, and I'm afraid of moving out. Each episode comes in two parts. In the first part, I talk about why I'm afraid. In the second part, I tell you about everything that happened when I did the thing I was afraid of. For at least the last five years, I've been living a lie. So where are you living, Jed? I uh, live with my brother. In a house? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a house. Did your brother buy the house? Uh, yep. What kind of house is it? Uh, it's an older one. Oh, how long have you lived there? Oh, uh, all my life. Keeping up a lie like this is hard. The more details you give, the more details you have to remember. But luckily, I have a decent memory. Do you like to cook, or does your brother cook? I, uh, cook a little. Does your girlfriend cook? What do you mean you don't live together? You've been dating for how long? Wow, that's a long time. Do you have a dog? Uh, yeah, I got, I have a dog. Oh, you don't seem like a dog person. I, uh, I, I like dogs. It's my dad's dog. I went away to college for three years and had a nice little apartment. When my roommate moved out, I replaced his couch in the living room with a mattress and ate pizza and Oreos on the ground. It was a wonderful time. Whenever I'd stop home for a visit, everything would feel kind of foreign. After graduation, I moved back home with my parents and my brother. I unpacked a few boxes, but I never unpacked the kitchen supplies because I was going to get my own place right away. Then, every once in a while, I'd be too lazy to wash a spatula, so I'd grab one out of the box of kitchen stuff. Didn't matter. I was still moving out. Then the box started to fall apart. Didn't matter. I'll just put the stuff in a new box when I move out next week. Then, we sold the kitchen supplies in a garage sale. I've been here ever since. Every single morning, I drive past the hospital where I was born. And it's depressing. This was not the plan. When I was growing up, I remember visiting my grandmother's house, and her grandson lived with them. He was old, had long hair, and played the drums. I wasn't going to be like that. That was weird. And I also can't play the drums. So, a year after I graduated, with a degree in multimedia, surprise, I couldn't even decide on a type of media. I finally found a job, but it didn't pay enough to get a place. And then the business moved to a building 10 minutes from my house. So I got lazy. And then I got comfortable. I was saving money, and me and my parents and brother were supporting each other. Six years later... The company shut down, and I was unemployed for a couple months. I took a new job, but it still didn't pay enough to get a place. It probably did, but that was my excuse. Then I got promoted, and I made more money than I've ever made. But I wasn't happy. I wanted to try something else, but before I could figure out what that was, I fell into a hole. I'd drive to work in the morning, and I'd pass these giant, wealthy estates with horses in their yards and I'd be jealous of their freedom. I'd yell at them, Good morning, horses! Have a great f***ing day! 
When you're jealous of horses on the side of the road, you know there's a problem. So I found a new job, I reached out, and people helped. About two years later, I've managed to climb back out again, but it took a very long time, and there are a lot of people I have to thank. In that time, I learned that I'm afraid to make decisions, and I'm always thinking. So I should try to stay in the moment, and not dwell on the past or worry about the future. I learned all of this stuff about myself, but I never had the motivation to deal with it. And then I had an idea. What about a podcast where I do the things I'm afraid of? And suddenly, I had the weekly motivation to take action. I've taken a train into downtown Chicago at rush hour. I've hailed a cab. I've made small talk with people. I went to a barber shop, gone to conferences, tried sushi, gotten naked at a Korean spa, bought and sold things on Craigslist, I asked a stranger to write a song for me, and I rode a real-life horse, just like the horses I used to yell at every morning. I still worry about things, but I'm less afraid, and it's time to move out. I know I should move out, but I could afford a better place if I had a roommate. I don't know anyone. Who would want to be my roommate? I'm too old to have a roommate. What's a good neighborhood? How do I carry all of the groceries all the way from the parking lot? What's the best level to live on? I wouldn't trust an elevator at a cheap apartment. I should just move in with my girlfriend. But if we're going to move in together, we should get engaged first. We've been dating forever. Maybe we should just move out separately. No, move in together. Whatever move I make, someone's going to criticize it and have a different opinion. So I haven't done anything. There's always something I need to do first. I don't want to deal with the neighbors. What if they're loud? Do I have to talk to them? My girlfriend thinks a house or condo would be better than renting. But that seems like such a commitment. We'd drive past an apartment complex that looked fine, and we'd mention it to people, and then they'd say, there's a lot of gang activity in there. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm just not cut out for the thug life. The goal from the very beginning was to move out for the season finale, no matter what. And my search didn't begin on purpose. I was driving home after work and noticed a for rent sign a couple blocks away. So I called the number and set up a showing the following afternoon. Believe it or not, this was a huge step for me. I found an apartment checklist online and brought it with me. What utilities are included? Who handles maintenance? Do they live on site? What is the turnover rate on the building? My girlfriend stopped by to help me survey the place. In the bathroom, the landlord pointed out bubbling paint on the ceiling and said the toilet above had leaked. But he was going to fix it before moving. Big mistake. Now all I could think about was mold. I'm allergic to mold. And the living room and the bedroom was carpeted and I'm super allergic to dust mites. But there was underground parking. Which was a plus. We thanked the landlord for the showing, and I went home to make my pros and cons list. While I was drafting the list, I decided to check the sex offenders registry. Only five sex offenders in that entire town, and one of them lived in that building? Come on! I found their mugshots and asked my girlfriend, Would you want to share a garage with this person? No. I did more research. Okay, so they have a new address now, but still... What if they come back to visit? Everyone said I should take it. It was close to work, the price was reasonable, the parking was phenomenal, but I thought, it has carpet. 
and I'm allergic to dust mites, and the bathroom was leaking, and he's probably just going to paint over it, and you can hear the AC unit from the apartment above, and it's buzzing in the bedroom, and I'll never be able to sleep. I turned it down and looked for a better place. I found another unit online and asked the real estate agent if it was garden level, and he said, Garden? I'm not sure what you mean. He had a very unique way of speaking. The next apartment was roomier, all hardwood floors, recently renovated, and there was a pull-across divider that separated the kitchen from the living room. But the apartment had two entrances, which meant two points for easy breaking and entering. As I was thinking it over, the real estate guy asked my girlfriend, Hey, what do you think of this wall? As he slid the divider back and forth across the room. Then he asked, So Jed, what do you do? I just want to get to know you guys. I was oddly compelled to get to know him. I asked about the landlord, and he said I wasn't going to be able to meet the landlord. All they cared about was if I passed the credit check. In the end, I turned it down, because the agent was weird, and the landlord was mysterious. There was also only off-street parking for one car, and there was no street parking in the entire village between the hours of 2 a.m. and 5 a.m., which meant my girlfriend could never visit, unless she wanted to drive around the block for three hours in the middle of the night. A week or so later, I found a two-bedroom on Craigslist and called the number. Is the apartment ground level or first floor? It's first floor? Okay. When we got there, he took us downstairs to show us the garden-level apartment. It was cozy, and I asked why the father and son were moving out, and the landlord said, Well, his mother passed away. But not in here. Not in the apartment. As if that was a selling point? Apartment for rent. Cozy. Newly renovated. Can't even tell if someone died here. I told him I had concerns about being in a garden-level unit. If you're worried about flooding, we've never had flooding here. We wouldn't put in heated floors if we did. I hadn't even thought about flooding. Now all I could think about was flooding. The unit was nice, though. The landlord was easygoing, and the location was great. But I wasn't excited about the garden level. So I did more research. Cooler in the summer. Less sunlight. No breeze. Flooding from the toilets or up from the foundation. More susceptible to break-ins. Less privacy. More pests bugs and rodents. And then I thought about the snow. The snow's going to cover up the windows, and I won't be able to see out of them. And what if I need to escape? I can't crawl out through the windows. I said no to the place, but the landlord said he might have a second floor unit available if I call him on Friday. I thought about the second level. I should buy a rope ladder in case of fires. Then I found another place on Craigslist a couple minutes from work. I scheduled a showing over my lunch break, but my girlfriend couldn't make it. The apartment complex manager told me she knew the doors to the apartment needed to get fixed, and the parking lot had a lot of potholes, but they were just waiting to get the permits from the city to repave and stripe. I've heard you should judge a place by the upkeep of their parking lots, so it sounded like a bunch of excuses to me. When we entered the apartment building, the entryway smelled of cigarettes. I also found a dead bug in a kitchen cupboard. After we parted ways, I went back to the building to check out all of those signs that were posted everywhere. I also took pictures. I yet again have to let you know 
There is no smoking whatsoever on the steps. Also, there is absolutely no fires behind the apartments. Whether they are contained or not, the chairs were okay to have your cigarette and go back in, but not to stay out there for periods of time. There are other people living here. This is not a campground or a home that you own. All of these things are grounds for termination of lease. What the hell? I peered out the window and back. Camping chairs and a table were up against the fence, and hundreds of cigarette butts littered the ground. They were right across from my possible bedroom windows. I also noticed the neighbor was home watching TV in the middle of the day. I took a picture of their shoes that were sitting in a tray in the hallway. Instead of knocking on the door and introducing myself, I scrutinized the shoes and tried to envision a persona for who lived there. Did they run the last tenant out? Is that why it's so cheap? I went in other buildings on the complex. They only had signs about not smoking near the building. They didn't have any notices about bonfires or lease termination warnings. Did I want to live next to a daytime TV-watching chain smoker? After discussing it over the weekend with my girlfriend, we decided it was perfect for me. It was ridiculously close to work. It was a good neighborhood. The apartment was all hardwood floors, so I wouldn't have to worry about allergies. There was assigned parking, plenty of guest parking, and no sex offenders. I filled out the application form, and then I tried to go to sleep. I laid there thinking, it's too far away from my girlfriend. There's not enough countertop space. What if I need to cut things? Where am I going to put a microwave? On the dining room table? I kept thinking, the hardwood floor is going to be too creaky and annoying. What if it's too echoey to record the podcast? And then around 6 a.m., I thought, I'll have to walk through smoke every day. Smoke is carcinogenic. The smoker's retreat is right outside the bedroom windows, and it's going to drift into my apartment every single night. I got out of bed and grabbed the application, and then I threw it out. The other day, I drove past the old hospital again, where I was born. And later in the day, I drove past that apartment complex. The entire parking lot was newly paved and painted. I guess the apartment manager wasn't lying. It's been a month since I threw out the application to my perfect apartment, and I haven't found anything else. Maybe I should move in with my girlfriend. Maybe we should get engaged. Maybe I should drop everything and move to California. We'll see. I don't really know what's next, but I know I'm not as afraid of it anymore. Thanks for listening to Season 1. If you like the show, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'll see you again in December. To be the first to find out when Season 2 drops, follow the show on Instagram or join the mailing list at getafraid.com. Thanks to Lindsay for all of her help. Music by FF Low Beats. Thanks to Nick and Anna for previewing the pilot. Thanks to multi-talented artist and musician Phil Scott. Thanks to Lena, Eric, Kate, Topher, Emma, Julie, and Marcy. I hope we can still be friends, Marcy. I also want to say thanks to all of my family and my girlfriend's family for all of their support. If I forgot anyone, I'm sorry. You know I appreciate you. And a very special thanks to my girlfriend for everything. So what should I do next? Visit getafraid.com and let me know, and maybe I'll do it.